Thursday, the 2nd, 250 episodes. Welcome to the Land of Pod. Welcome to Hand of Pod 251, I'm Sam Kelly, and this week with me, braving the picket line outside my building to record in spite of the national strike, I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello. And English Dan. Hello and welcome. Welcome both of you, gents. Thank, Thank you. you for... Uh, well, we risked our lives to be here, you know, we did it purely for the finet. Trekking all the way across town to get Oof. here. It was tough. Live, uh, very long way away. Luckily today there won't be any any buses or things that may disturb you. Mm. So that's the positive well, thing about it. I don't think the ambulances have gone on strike. Yeah. I hope they haven't. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. We'll find out later. I'll try not to hurt myself, uh, just uh, just to be safe. If you could try, yeah, try not to accidentally fall off the balcony or anything. Uh, not promising anything. I think that, that sounded much more menacing than I meant it. <laughs> I felt <a> menacing. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was there was real concern there rather than um, any inherent godfather-like threat. Um, anyway, mm. I shall begin by going through the results of the Primera last weekend. They were as follows: Atlético Tucumán nil, Gimnasia La Plata one, Independiente one, Vélez Sarsfield one, Newell's Old Boys one, Atlético de Rafaela nil, Temperley one, Aldo Civi nil. So up to this point it's been all in binary and then it exploded into life with Racing getting a 3-2 win away to Quilmes. Um, Colombi Belgrano 1-0 also away. Boca Juniors 1 defensive was DCA 0 in La Bombonera. Estudiantes 2 Absenal de Sarandí 0. Lanús in the Clásico del Sur got a 4-2 home win over Banfield. Sarmiento and Rosario Central drew 2-2 in Junín. Tigre beat San Lorenzo 4-3. That was uh, 24th versus 3rd, I think, when it kicked off. And 24th won um, in a 7-goal thriller, which was thrilling, and which we'll talk about. I think it's going to be the first game up in a minute. Huracán nil, Patronato nil is certainly not going to be the first game that we discuss. Godoy Cruz 1, River Plate 2 in Mendoza. Olimpo and San Martín got a 0-0 draw in Bahia Blanca on Monday evening. And then later that night, another 4-2. This time for Union at home against Tacheres, which was uh, something of a turn-up for the books. And if I remember right, actually, I think we all said last week when our mystical guest predictor, um, Vincent went for an Union win and we all went oh really it was like that it was that well done yeah sure Um, so yeah as I said let's start with Tigre San Lorenzo because uh, although um, there were a couple of other high scoring games and entertaining ones I think Tigre San Lorenzo is is the main talking one talking point um, of the round partly for the result partly for the fact that Tigre came back from 3-2 down with um, well in the 86th minute to win 4-3 and partly because the, um, the both the penalty, which was for Tigre's equaliser to make it 3-3, and Tigre's winner through uh, is it Ramon? 
Mieris, yes, Raul yes. Mieris, um, were somewhat contentious. Although, having said that, I heard that the penalty was contentious and then I saw replays of it afterwards and I thought, actually, that probably is a penalty, really. Um, but the winner was, was definitely offside. Um, yes. but good game. There, there is a, something that has, has been discussed in media, especially in media, because uh, uh, all, all the time, or uh, again, it, it's been discussed about the hands, handballs, hmm. whether if it's... Uh, intentional or not, whether if it uh, uh, must be awarded or not, whether if because there were some recommendations from FIFA mm. to the referees that weren't included in, to the, in, the, in the rules uh, about the when to award the penalty and when not to award the penalty yeah. in terms of how the hand is put by the player and if, he, if the hand is up or down or how. So it, it's been discussed because. Uh, the penalty was, of course, uh, uh, discussed because of the polemic. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it basically cut a pass out in, in the box. I mean, I think. I think it's, it's just a it's shame we haven't got uh, Mariano on this week because I'm sure he's got some fantastic conspiracy theories regarding the new AFA presidency, <laughs> San Lorenzo's sort of junior role in it, and God why knows. now the referees are completely fucking him over. Perhaps it's already. Perhaps the side is the goal of the. The football wouldn't wouldn't have been awarded. Uh, the protests wouldn't have been so so strong mm. because uh, the the goal that makes Tigre win against San Lorenzo was the offside goal, yeah. not the, the, the penalty. Yeah. Uh, and well, Matias Lamens, the president of San Lorenzo, went to the uh, along with uh, I think Romeo, but not Romeo, the manager mm. or the well the sports secretary or director uh, to the. Germán uh, Delfino's dressing room to well say some things that you are the new AFA and and well I knew that this, that this will happen something like that I think still you got to say San Lorenzo really only have themselves to blame I think they were ahead twice in that game right Tigre took yeah. the lead then That's San Lorenzo right. were 2-1 through 2 up uh, you're playing against a team that are pretty low in the table and not exactly playing uh, spectacular football you have a fairly solid defence being San, San Lorenzo and you let them come back yeah. twice and then win the game. You, I, I think was, you, you can't really blame anyone apart from yourselves. It was throughout the game as well. I mean, at half-time it was actually nil-nil. Mm. Uh, all the goals came in the second half. But even in the first half, you sort of when it got to nil-nil at half-time, if you'd been watching the game, it was like, well, actually, San Lorenzo are probably going to be quite happy to be still level at this point because mm. Tigre were... Yeah, not dominating. I mean, it was it was end to end, and it was it was entertaining throughout, even at nil nil at half time. Um, it wasn't like Tigre were completely and totally on top, but they probably had the better chances in the first half as well. Um, and so yeah, it was just a bit sort of. I think one of the points that Mariano made, or, or certainly retweeted at some point um, towards the end of the game, was you know, if you're a San Lorenzo fan, then yeah, you can start with the conspiratorial new affair. Um, stuff and uh, for for the benefit of listeners, especially who didn't catch last week's episode, um, the the new look Afe is, is expected to be much more friendly to um, Boca Juniors. I thought you were going to say friendly to corruption. <laughs> <It's> like, whoa, <laughs> um, <laughs> take it easy. To, to Boca Juniors and, and perhaps to a lesser extent to Racing and Independiente um, due to the positions held by the new Afe board and against San Lorenzo and, and I guess to a lesser extent River. Although it should also be pointed out that um, San Lorenzo and River are likely to have, or rather Marcelo Tinelli and Rodolfo D'Onofrio are likely to have the um, sort of more powerful positions in the Superliga once that comes in. So you would think that they should cancel themselves out conspiracy theory-wise, we hope. Uh, but we'll see. Um, 
but yeah, they sort of said, you know, we can start with all these conspiracy theories and everything, but that's kind of overlooking the point that you're third in the table and we're playing awfully against a team mm. who were 21 positions below us um, at the start of the of the game. So, yeah, I mean, you can blame other people if you want, but there's also a degree of, well... No, you, you know. yeah, you've got to, you know, you're free to up against a team at the bottom of the table. You, you can't. You can't really let that slip when you're going for the title, and you've, and you know you've already got the result in hand, right? That Bocker had already won, and yeah, yeah, that's not good. But Tigre is a team that, if you look at the, at the table, oh, it's an awful team, but but they're a team that on their right day they can put four goals behind yes. last year. It's happened to Racing several times. <laughs> yes, because Saba is the the coach of Tigre now, mm. and that's the reason why because he, he lost four threes, five threes, six threes, five nil defeats as well. Yeah, he's yeah. You can't turn your back on Saba. I'm trying to bring up Tigre's fixtures so far, but my internet has got walkies for a moment here, so let's hope that it loads soon. I haven't realised that Saba have gone to Tigre before this weekend. It's interesting. Yeah. I hope you guys will. I'm a big Saba fan. He's done alright so far. He hasn't like t- failed terribly anywhere, I don't think. How long was he out racing? Months, five months? Eight months. Eight months. Because they kept him on. They kept him on for the whole of pre-season and then sacked him in the Copa Bicentenario game against yeah. Lanús just before the season started. Yeah. And now he demanded racing. He made a. And now he's suing racing for nine million pesos. Yeah. As well, he might given. Yeah, given I've seen. Sort of went down. I've seen quite a lot of racing fans talking against him, like, ah, oh, no, he's a, you know, he's a club icon. How is he? How's he going to do this to us? It's like, well, well he, yeah, he you kept him going the whole prison and you just sacked him. What do you want? Like, he yeah, he's just going to turn around and be grateful. He yeah. demanded Racing. Now they will face because Tigre uh, plays against Racing, but he won't be there because he has been sent off. Ah. As, he, as when Tigre scored the fourth goal, he went into, this, into the pitch and, uh, of course, shouted out. And he was. We should uh, be attentive then if there's anyone on the Tigre bench wearing. A mask and looking a bit shifty. It could well be Sava in his in his disguise. Indeed, it was Tigre's first victory um, after a run of six matches without one, two draws and four defeats. Um, the last win that they got was a three 0 win, also at home against Quilmes, which came at the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that sounds longer ago than it was, considering there was a very long uh, summer break this year. Was this Sava's um, first yeah. game in charge? Or? Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, that's after it. Trollio was there before it. Yes, that's right. Trollio left after the defeat to Central or before that, but they had a caretaker, I think, last week, didn't they? Um, one of the two. But yeah, it was, it was Sava's first match. Trollio now at Universitario de Peru. If I am not wrong. Trollio now at Universitario de Peru. If I not oh, already? Oh, you're oh. quite right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it was, he was um, unveiled fairly quickly, wasn't he? So yeah, Pedro Trollio is already in work, which... Uh, I think everybody is happy to hear. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's a he's a nice enough chap. Open. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Tigre San Lorenzo, and it has it's not really done much to blow the title race wide open. It has, of course, shot San Lorenzo's title hopes. Well, on the op- I wouldn't say in the foot, but maybe yeah. in the the opposite has happened. It's Sorry. closed it quite a bit in Indeed. favour of Boca. Um, because on Saturday. There were the other two title hopefuls both played. Um, if you're wondering why Boca Juniors and Defensive DC are played on Saturday, by the way, it's because one of those two teams is involved in the Continental Cup this year. Um, and, uh, so <laughs> what a live play! What a live play! Last night uh, we had the uh, to be last night being Wednesday because we're recording on Thursday this week. Um, we had the rather 
surprising, let's say, um, scenario of settling down to watch Defensa y Justicia versus San Paulo, um, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear myself saying. But, it really um, do just look like a Sunday League team, right? With the yellow and green colours. It's glorious. Adverts all look like smashed across their shirt. Yeah, they, they could well be, you know, a Sussex County League Division 2 side taking on Sao Paulo. Yeah, although funnily enough, Sao Paulo are playing not unlike a Sussex County League Division 2 side at the moment. Um, that was my first job in journalism, funnily uh, enough, covering can, Sussex League, County League Division 2 matches at the weekend. Good grief. You can measure how you important... Come <laughs> You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> Sorry, Andres. No, uh, you can measure how important for Defensa y Justicia this match was, because they were expect, expecting Luca Prato to play that game, because he's at mm. Sao Paulo, mm. and he's a national team player, and he has been, well... It's, it was important because of the well, Continental Cup, but because of the players and the and the environment that uh, was with the match. Uh, and was it the first ever Continental or International match for the physical teacher? Yeah, or must have been. Must have been, yeah. yeah. No doubt. They, they've been in the Primera before this season, haven't they? But yeah. not. I mean, no, they can't have qualified for Continental competition. Before, no. I think. Um, yeah, Julio Buffarini got sent off towards the end for Sao Paulo, which meant that, in a way, Defensa Justicia won the game. Really, they finished with 11 men against 10. Uh, it actually finished nil-nil, though. So um, they're going to Morumbi next week. or No, not next week. What am I talking about? In May, a couple of months, probably. June, yeah. A month and a half to two months. Um, with, well, with it all to do. Um, but on Saturday, they were beaten 1-0 at home by Boca Juniors. Dario Benedetto scored yet again for the hosts. Um... And Boca would therefore remain top of the league. It was uh, not the best match of the weekend, it must be said. No, you can't really argue with the result. Boca had a few chances, didn't put them away, and then finally got it with what was a nice little move from Ricardo Cinturion. A pretty dreadful miss from Benedetto at first, Mm. and he was lucky enough to to get the ball back in the area. And then the rebound he took very nicely, actually. I think he sidestepped his marker and just powered it home. And uh, kind of the breaks, I think, you know, just uh, to fall into cliche mode for a second. You know, these are the breaks uh, sometimes you get when you're at the top of the table, the games that are pretty difficult to unlock, and then you just get a second bite at, after missing a pretty decent chance, and at that time you put it away. Defensa Cordicia didn't really look like doing much in that game. Maybe they were already thinking about, you know, their continental commitments. Obviously, we say a lot that. These teams have a lot of a lot of trouble juggling the continental commitments with a with a league title challenge, which is obviously Defensa Justicia's situation. And Boca can can solely concentrate on the league as they're not playing in either the Libertadores or the Sudamericana. And they got the points. And now I think they're five points clear of Newell's who are in second now. And Newell's one. Um, we'll yeah. go through the, the actual standings but yeah I have a feeling that they might be a bit five, five, no, four, five points because San Lorenzo started the weekend in second place I believe because Newell's lost last week oh you're right it is yes. of course because Newell's yeah you're right Newell's dropped points at yeah. some point yeah. I thought they were still three behind but yeah but uh, about the Vincent Justicia I, I'm pretty sure they, they watched the match that Tacheres played at the Bomorera because mm. they, they did very well and uh, during sometimes they they could do it because they managed the ball, but they didn't count with the chances that yeah. Tashers had yeah, that, that much. So that was the, the, I think the important reason why. Yeah, uh, you could say that they, they had a decent defence, but in the end, justice was probably served. Hmm. 
They also didn't don't have quite the uh, sort of command in central midfield that nearly thirty nine year old Pablo Guinassu is somehow thirty nine years now. Okay. Thirty nine in at uh, I think it's the start of June his birthday. Jesus. Um, yeah. No, and they don't have a, a striker like Palacios. It mm. <laughs> must be said. True. Um, speaking of Newells, as I said, they got a one nil win at home to Atletico de Rafaela, the one of the worst teams in the league. Newell's being one of the best teams in the league, you might have expected more than a goal, but they didn't play actually particularly well from what I heard about that game. I didn't catch all of it. Um, they did score a lovely goal on, on the volley from Maxi. not that far away from the penalty spot from Maxi Rodriguez, uh, about halfway into the, just under halfway into the second half um, to separate the sides. And I mean, they're doing what they've got to do to stay in touch with Boca at this point, really. Yeah. Uh, they're going to need a little bit more to catch up they're going to need Boca to drop a few points which doesn't really look like happening on a regular basis at least but as long as they stick there like stick with the with the leaders they've got a chance sorry how how did you say that the the shot by Maxi Rodriguez was lovely volley Ah, but it was lovely because Amoroso was the one who served the strike the the, the cross for Maxi Rodriguez Amoroso who is lovely in English if I'd been paying full attention, yes. I would have got that when you first pointed it out. Um, Newells do have a not an unpromising string of matches coming up, actually. They've got Arsenal away from home this weekend. They're then at home to Estudiantes, who, of course, are on something of a wobble at the moment. And then two straight away matches against Albacini and Huracan. So it's, it's not impossible that Newells have a, an opportunity to extend their current unbeaten run, which at the moment stretches to three games. Um, I don't think we're really close enough to the end of the season just yet to start going through run-ins nah. because there is still a third of the, the league season to go um, matches-wise obviously I feel like it's been going on forever this season yeah we've <laughs> still got we've got what Sorry, 12 uh, games left I remember something it's a bit late to talk about that because we have already talked about Boca but they clearly have some difficulties at midfield uh, uh, talking back about Boca because uh, Fernando Gago had a, 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 a dejarro, a, a tear. And now Sebastián Pérez has got one as well. Mm. Sebastián Pérez replaced him, didn't, uh, he didn't do it very well, but now he has been injured too. Yeah. Uh, got injured by Wilma Barrios, who in fell training, into him. Yeah. Say, yeah, not, not in the match itself. He yeah. fell on his leg and, and fucked his And Metancourt has... Uh, Travel to Italy because he has been sold to final to Juventus. Juventus. Oh, he has. Oh, okay. But he at the end of the season, he made his uh, medical. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, care uh, exams. Yeah, the medical. The yes, medical. and he came back, but now uh, there was a problem. With, well, uh, they were uh, afraid of what will happen with him at uh, the national team and the training because Uruguay, of course, will ask for him. To play the but the, yeah, the, World Cup. the yeah. twenty World Cup. But finally apparently Uruguay will make will let him play against River, the super classico, and then uh-huh. uh, as for him. So at least him will he will be uh, uh, for Boca. Sorry for the la- I've just uh, uh, we, we, we have on whilst recording Sport Recife against Danubio in the Sudamericana. Um and Sports were just awarded a free kick, and seeing that there was a Danubio player right in front of it, the guy just smashed the ball straight away into the guy's legs and <laughs> has now been told off by the referee for acting like a twat. <laughs> um, 
Um, and also, Dan was quite right before. There are 12 games to go, not 11. Um, I was miscounting. Um, thank you for the Bocca injury reminder, Andres, because I've completely mm. forgotten about it. Moving down the big five now, we'll talk briefly about Independiente, another team who were in Copa Sudamericana action this week. They actually managed to score a goal um, at the weekend, on Friday night, against Vélez Sarsfield. It was an own goal from Vélez goalkeeper Fabian Asman, former Independiente goalkeeper, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were pegged back by an equaliser from... uh, Is that Juan Manuel Martínez? Yes. Good grief, I've not been paying attention to them. They're awful. Um, And that finished 1-1. By and large, though, Independiente still having issues since Ariel Orlando took over and has certainly made them much better to watch. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, he's not made them any better at finishing. They're creating plenty of chances in most of their matches and can't put any of them away, including on Tuesday night mm. uh, when Emmanuel Gigliotti failed to put a penalty away for the second time in not that far distant memory. Mm. Um, that finished nil nil against. Alianza Lima uh, yes. was it? Yeah. Good grief. Yes. That shows how much attention I was paying. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, I think the more card, most on. remarkable thing about that match was that first that Emmanuel Chiglietti missed another penalty uh, similar to the one he missed or that was saved by Barovero at the 2014 Copa Sudamericana and that uh, in the middle of the match the, the, there was some water in, in it. Oh, yeah. the sprinklers came on, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but going back to the weekend for a second, it wasn't a bad performance by Independiente. I was watching it, but sort of not watching it particularly closely. And mm. they started the match really well, uh, went up in the first half. As Sam said rightly, uh, they could have scored more in the first half. But after half time, they just seemed to go to pieces. And Vélez came back, got a, got a pretty decent equaliser, came close again. I can't exactly can't remember exactly how, I think Pavoni had um, a really decent effort to, uh, to level it, but then uh, to go ahead, but couldn't take his chance. Mm. Um, Olan tried to change it around a bit, uh, he sent on Benitez and Barco, kind of a more, to bring a more creative presence on, and it didn't quite work, This it seems like Independiente can either have kind of players who can finish on the pitch, but aren't finishing at the moment, or players who can create. Yeah. Uh, striking the balance between the two is proving pretty difficult at the moment. Apparently, yesterday, Olan. Um, ah, and that's not to mention there was a normal n- training session. Yeah. It's still having like an hour and a half session on just finishing for the entire squad. So it's like, yeah, let's practice shooting. That include <laughs> penalty corners or. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was also a refereeing um, controversy in that game. Tying into this whole... In which game, sorry? The in Independiente, Vélez. Okay. Uh, Vélez was certain they should have had a penalty, mm-hmm. but it wasn't given. And this sort of obviously ties in with, you know, Chiquitapia, Moshana now... Why are Independiente always in charge at the top of the alpha? What oh, is it about no, that club? <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. uh, no, in that case, it was, it was, you know, marginal. It could be given, but it could also yeah. very rightly not be given. But, you know, Talking about it's interesting that happened kind of in the first game or the second game that happened after Tapia took charge and Moshana took charge that they were already talking about this. It's going to be a fun 20 years under Tapia. But talking about football, I imagine, in the, I don't know what Peter thinks about it, but I imagine supporters, the supporters, asking for Barco to be more, to have more minutes being a kid. But it's 
appears as the only perhaps creative player along with Benitez, but Benitez mm. is not very high to uh, to do something different and to create some some different mm. football. Yeah, I, th I think from I was actually saying this to to Peter over a couple of um, pints two or three weeks ago, and um, obviously Peter being our resident independiente fan for for those who aren't regular listeners. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he sort of agrees with that, but at the same time, I think he says that, uh, oh, grief, that's a good finish. Just a, about three consecutive attempts at bicycle kicks from Sport in the box, and the third one of them has gone in. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so, so I get the impression that, that Olan is, um, sort of doesn't want to put all of the weight on Barco's shoulders, and that's why he's not sort of starting him um, every match and is sort of bringing him on at the end of games. He wants to sort of just take some of that pressure off him because obviously when he when he came in under Milito at times he was really the only is that free sorry yeah. is that free successive yeah, scissor that's, that's what I was saying yeah. the, the third one has gone in the corner beautifully um, <laughs> sorry and yeah so um, I, I guess it works as a way of not piling all the pressure on him and, and of trying to sort of blood him gently into the team the pressure's already ah um, we're talking about that uh, Barco. Barco. Yeah. I was going to say if you're talking about Olen the pressure's definitely on him already yeah um, but at the same time the way he's got the team playing I guess he knows that if he can calm the players down enough and get them to be a little bit cooler mm -hmm. in front of goal the goals are going to come surely because they're, they're attacking a lot more than they did when Milito was, yeah. was there um, on the not as if the defence is awful as well you know they're, they're no the defence is solid and one, if they can score one, one yeah. of them they'll be in a much better situation and I'd say on the bright side for Independiente seven years after opening its doors the Libertadores, the America Stadium, is finally finished. Is it? Yes. They put the roof on. No, there's not going to be a roof anymore. Oh, good. That God. roof fell by the wayside so a long, they a it long time ago. They yeah. finished it by cancelling part of the plans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier. But it's painted and it looks all right. You know, they're obviously it's not ideal having such a beautiful stadium three blocks away, but it'll do. Indeed. And speaking of. Um, Racing, as you oh, yeah. that's, that's the team yeah. three blocks away. Yeah. Uh, they got a 3 2 win away to Quilms, which I missed most of. Um, oh, no, I didn't. I saw Federico Andrade's two goals for Quiles. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw, let's see, Gustavo Ball scored a very nice free kick. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw the whole game, in fact. I can't oh, remember right, the yes. other two Racing goals. Uh, uh, Lautaro Martinez and Maxi Block, or, Max, or Pablo Cuadra, as some yeah. people call him. Um, it's, he's got one of his names that some people call him Maxi and some people call him Pablo. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's you know, pronounced himself on the issue yet. Federico Andrada opened the scoring eight minutes in with a very, very good header from sort of 14 yards, yeah. plus a fair bit of an angle because it was right across goal into the far corner. Towering, um, you could say, towering. Doubled it just before half-time with a penalty. Mm -hmm. um, which cost Pablo Alvarez his stake in the game indeed. for an elbow in the face. Which meant that Quilmes were 2-0 up and a man up at the break. Mm -hmm. And somehow those 10 men for Racing were enough to drag it back and to win 3-2 in the second half. Well, it was uh, a tale of two collapses, really. Yeah. The first collapse was Racing's in the first half, where they played absolutely diabolical. They barely put... I mean, you've, you see games sometimes where... Um, like the teams are fairly evenly matched, but by the rub of the green, uh, the other goes in, two goes up. That wasn't the case in Racing. Um, they were diabolical in the first half, barely put two passes together. Quilmes were kind of very direct. They they looked for space outside, um, down the wings, where Racing aren't particularly strong. They still got Ivan Pichu at right back. 
who's been immortalized in um, in the Cristiano Ronaldo bust, of course. Um, and then after half time, I don't know what Coca, Diego Coca, the coach, must have said to the players, but Gustavo Bo at least, you know, heard the message and came back with, I think one of the best displays in a half I've seen, at least since Gustavo Bo's last second half, which came against <laughs> Gordon Cruz. Um, again, he he scored one. And I can't. He definitely set up one other. I can't remember if Acuna. I think he, set up, he set Martinez up, and I can't remember if he set Cuadra up or if it was Marcos Acuna. Mm. But it's kind of beside the point. And basically, again with Lisandro Lopez out, Bo took the took the team by the scruff of the neck and and just pulled them all forward. A special yeah. mention as well to Cuadra, this kid who I was reading. He was. He's Bo, Bo plus ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a special well, mention to uh, yeah. special mention to Cuadra, who's come off the bench in the last two games to have a pretty mm. massive effect. He's got both the assists in that comeback against Guadalajara. Oh, the eighteen? No, he's twenty-one. Oh. His career got held back because when he was a teenager, or I think about thirteen, fourteen, um, he uh, had um, an arrhythmia discovered, I believe, uh-huh. like a slight heart defect. Mm. So he had a lot of trouble getting into a club because no team obviously wanted to take the risk of having someone yeah. who's got this kind of um, heart issue in their team. But he kept plugging away and in the end he, he got into racing. He says, you know, it's all under control. He later went to other doctors who said that it's not a problem, that it's not something that can be aggravated by physical exertion, so mm-hmm. he should be fine. And and yeah, he's... He's broken into the team now. I think I talked a little bit about it last week when he first played, or if not. Anyway, he's come in and made a really big impact. The real problem with Racing is they've got five or six forwards who are pretty decent now. Yeah. And absolutely nothing at the back <laughs> or in the midfield. It's amazing. But Such a lopsided team. Well, but in, if we're going to score more goals than anyone else, I'm not going to. Yeah, but what was incredible and gives more value to the Racing comeback in the matches that. Uh, all, all, all this all started about uh, uh, after the Vitor injury. He mm. ca- he came out and this made uh, Pablo Alvarez uh, be from the left back was to the centre back. He was playing left back, I think. Yeah, yeah. and then Insua came in left back, and then he well, I don't remember who came in, uh, to replace Vitor, but Pablo Alvarez was in the yeah. centre. Uh, and well, being being in the box, he made that penalty, yeah. which was discussed because of the he had the elbow a bit up. And, mm. uh, but after all that, two nil being down in the score, mm. ten men, and to 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 recover and and and, and turn around the result was mm. really. Yeah, great. I mean, I remember uh, going to watch Racing every week and seeing the statistic. I believe they went. Three years once without coming back from behind to win again. Mm. Probably from about 2011 to 2014, something like that. It's not something Racing um, are used to doing. I don't think we can take credit away from Quilmes, who, uh, whose collapse was absolutely pitiful and indeed yeah. um, uh, cost Alfredo Garilac his job yes. after the game. Oh, yep. realised that. Also Madelon from Belgrano was... And Madelon was another of the casualties... Yeah, uh, this is what's that? Four games and three sackings. Some, oh, for Belgrano. No, for in the uh, league in general. 
Oh, sorry, yes, I think, yeah. Va, Trollio Corelasca and Marilón, the yeah. ones I know, at least. Um, Belgrano, of course, the defeat uh, which we're referring to is the 1 0 defeat at home to Colón, which I'm guessing none of us saw. Mm. No. Not even a second. It was played at the same time as the second half of Kinves Racing and at the, and of the first half of Bocalas Defensio Justicia, which explains why we didn't watch it. Mm. Um, on Sunday, Estudiantes got a 2 0 win over Arsenal, which we didn't watch or I didn't watch because it was on at 3 o'clock. Watched a bit of it, they were. Nice afternoon. Yeah. They walked it, really. It was. As you would expect, at home to Arsenal. They looked pretty decent, I must say. Um, and the main course on Sunday, of course, was, well, apart from uh, until Tigre San Lorenzo, which turned out to be the best game, but the main course was the Clásico del Sur, Lanús versus Banfield, which ended 4-2, but was kind of still in the balance up until, well, almost the last minute, really. Um, Jose Sand gave Lanús an early lead, was pegged back by, is it Gonzalo Bettini? Yeah. Um, to make it 1-1. Um, then... 13 minutes into the second half, Sand gave Lanús a 2-1 lead. That was firmly equalised by Brian Sarmiento. I think both of those came from the penalty spot, right? Sand's first, first two goals. and yeah. Sarmiento's all came from the penalty spot. Um, Marcelo Herrera put Lanús 3-2 up with 11 minutes to go. And with Banfield pressing, Lanús countered and Sand completed his hat-trick from open play. Um, in the 86th minute although that one also was scored from practically right on the penalty spot well that's pretty much all you got to expect from Sand he's so not going to score any balls a combined thought... total of 36 yards uh, yeah. can, for Sand's hat-trick um, but it was very nice that average for his career I think I honestly thought that after uh, playing for Aldo Civi he would retire uh, and now he came back and I think he's physically better than he was mm. uh, some years ago uh, because he stands well the ball, he uh, is very very good. Well, uh, with the number of goals he's scoring, mm-hmm. so son, I, I I must say he he has impressed me. Yeah, he's he's thirty seven in July, but I think yeah. actually you're right. I, he he looks like he's treating his body better than a decade ago let's say which obviously was just after Lanús won the, the title the first time around. I heard San saying after the game, I think it was on TSE that. Now Lanús have um, a decent state to be called the, the sixth grande. And I was thinking, but that surely doesn't work in your favour, Pepe, because whenever you play for a grande, you're awful. So you should probably just stick to Lanús being one of the smaller teams and you'll do just fine. Indeed. Um, but that was a thoroughly entertaining Clásico, although it ended up, as we say, with a two-goal difference. It was much closer than that for most of the game. And actually, even though the first, well, three of the first four goals came from penalties, um, it, was a, it was a really good game. But an I thought. Mm. Um, I was sort of watching it. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed here it. Here and there. Sarmiento and Rosario Central kicked off at half time the Clásico, as a result of which I didn't watch this one too much either. I had it on a stream, but didn't end up paying any attention to it. Um, but it ended up being 2 2. Central have dropped off a little bit lately. Yeah. Missing Chacho, I think. Yeah, who is the manager now? I've forgotten. Uh, Paulo Montero. Of course, yeah. Mm. He's, he's bedding in. I think. What he showed at Colón, um, I think he's, he's going to turn out, if they give him the, the time, he should be decent for Central, given the, what they've got at their disposal. But um, it's going to be interesting to see in the long term. They've got, oh, I'm being a bit cruel to them, in fact. They've won the previous two games 1-0. Um, so they're now three, three without a, a defeat, two wins and a draw. But, um, yeah, still have yet to really get going. Those, those wins are against Kidmas and Tigres, so nothing 
special, as it were. I, I think <laughs> that uh, yes, the previous match that they played the uh, away was against Kilmers and they won it with a late goal from Washington Camacho. Hmm. That, I think that that was the match that made Relax think to to resign because uh, to Camacho to score to score a goal against you. It means no, you you got be no wonder yeah. Relax left yeah. if Camacho scoring goals against him. Yeah. That's just the final straw. Um, on Sunday night uh, in Mendoza, there was another entertaining game um, between Godoy Cruz and River. Marcelo Gallardo's River Plate looked like they're back to being what River fans think of as Marcelo Gallardo's River Plate rather than what they've actually been for most of Marcelo Gallardo's time at River Plate, if you will, um, in that they're playing well. They've now won three in a row. Gonzalo Martinez has put in three consecutive, really quite good performances, which I think hails the oncoming apocalypse. Um, but anyway, he set up both of River's goals as they... Did they come from behind? They, no, they didn't. Um, as they took a 1-0 lead through Lucas Alario in the 22nd minute, um, were pegged back by Javier Correa in the 35th, and then got a late-ish winner from Rodrigo Mora's head, the first goal that Mora had scored for River in a year to the day. Um, exactly 365 days since his previous competitive goal for them uh, to win it 2-1 and I mean apart from that they they played well as well the, the defence does still look shaky but when they've got the ball they look good enough to sort of make you wonder whether that but matters all that finally much. the goal for Goy Cruz was awarded to, to Correa because it was disgusting if it was a, mm. a, a Batasha own goal no I think it was on target um, you're quite right I forgot what a howl it was definitely a Batasha howler which I'd completely forgotten about how he scored yes. it but yeah he, he smashed it from a fairly narrow angle Batasha looked like he was punching it away fairly clearly and then it sort of slipped it through his wrist took an, an, a strange effect and the ball was out uh, yeah, but I, I'm pretty yeah. sure the initial shot was on target so it should go down as a Correa goal rather than an own goal mm. Um, Is Batasha going to cost River points side down the line? I mean, they got away with it on Sunday, but... There were three games in which he made several uh, uh, very big mistakes. Mm. In two of them, River finally won that ma those matches, so he was like in a certainly a relief. Mm. Uh, like that, well, uh, it didn't cost points, but against Boca was the one, yeah. the, the only match, well, it was an important match, but the only one out of three that uh, he... His mistakes made River lose points. I, I think Matash has the. I mean, he's young, obviously, and I think he's the kind of goalkeeper who is going to one day develop into a really good goalkeeper if he gets the playing time and the patience. Then mm -hmm. you just sort of wonder when he does make a howler like the other night, you think, well, if that does cost River points, he obviously starts getting it in the neck much more than he did. He got it in the neck a bit anyway, but because they won the game, it was sort of forgotten about mm -hmm. to an extent. Um, and if. <sighs> So as a result, you sort of wonder, because of the club he's at, because of the amount of visibility that these mistakes have, is he going to get the playing time and, and the, the time to make mistakes that he maybe needs to develop into a really good goalkeeper? Because um, I'd be very surprised if, you know, passing the end of the season, June, July, River don't buy yeah. another keeper, right? Yeah, yeah it, it would be a shock, yeah. um, I would go so far as to say. Uh, I mean, I'd... Uh, I think if if you're the manager and you know you want to be able to to say no, I'm going to put my faith in this goalkeeper and and mm. I, I I trust him, but by June or July he's going to have given Matasha a year, yeah. and it's going to be difficult to really know whether <laughs> well, it's, whether that's the right thing to do. And I mean, especially if River then are into the 
the knockout stage of the Libertadores by then, then you're going to need somebody who you know can step up. The problem is that Bologna is recovering from an injury yeah. in the back, and the, well, you, you hear all the time, or several times, it's a historical phrase that the silly mistakes make goalkeepers be better because uh, they are like exposed in the in a, yeah. they're in a playing a position that a mistake means goals and and that they like learn like that. Mm. Uh, of course, if, if the, the the less the uh, less uh, mistakes you make is better, but uh, and and if your team wins is also better for you because well you it's like people with the time they forget about that mistake. But yes, uh, uh, we have to see about that. As, at least at this time, Gallardo has been standing him uh, as well as he did uh, some time ago with Teo Gutierrez when everyone was insulting at him. I remember Teo Gutierrez uh, 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 saying thank you to thanks to Gallardo when uh, he scored the goal against Cruzeiro in the Copa Libertadores 2015. He went and, and hugged, hugged him. Mm. And then he left. And then he left. <laughs> then he left. But Gallardo is, is like specializing in, in in putting players that are being mm. questioned, like Pity Martinez, now he's yeah. playing. Like Funes Mori, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, also. And now an international class defender. Yes. Three decent performances in a row. That 3 1 went against Lanús a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, and then the 2 1 went at home to Belgrano yes. last week, and now the 2 1 win, like this weekend, has yes. gone. Well, I guess it's last weekend by now, isn't it? It's Thursday night um, against Godoy Cruz away, which is not an easy place to visit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether River can keep this form up. The thing for them, of course, is that they're still, is it eight points or ten points or something behind Boca now? Because Boca just keep on, well, apart from the Tacheres result a couple of weeks ago. Um, nah, River only have to results. concentrate now on uh, Libertadores. They're there at the moment and they should have enough to, uh, to hold on to that keep place. So that's got to be the top priority. Forget about the league, I'd say. But as Pitti Martinez said, uh, the... <laughs> Sorry, the, the phrase just sounds really funny. So yes, Peter Martinez. As, as uh, Russo used to say, as Karl Marx used to say, yes. as Peter Martinez says. He's, yeah, he's very intelligent. So he's a philosopher, uh, Peter. Yeah, but he said that, the, that yeah, and it's true, we have discussed this uh, even here, so, uh, that the copyright now is uh, extended into the year, and yeah. not uh, a short uh, time. They, sh- they should be able to juggle the two yeah. rather than just put all their eggs in one basket. If they feel, of course, that there's a chance to come back. Um, the great other thinker of our time. Olimpo against San Martín. I'm guessing <laughs> partly for the teams involved and partly from the scoreline that nothing much happened in that nil-nil. Did either of you see it? Did you <laughs> wrong? No? I, I remember that I have watched a, a very poor uh, strike by Pizzini, former Independiente striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, nothing else. He now plays for Olimpo, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then on Monday night, did either of you catch Union against Tacheres? I did not. No, that's a shame because it finished four-two to Union, um, and it looks like it probably was quite entertaining. Sebastián Palacios with a couple of goals for Tacheres, but in vain, as Lucas Gamba got to himself for Union before in the second half. Um, Soldano is that Federico Soldano and Emmanuel and Brites. Franco Soldano. Franco Soldano, thank you. And Emmanuel Brites with a late penalty um, wrapped things up for Union. So we apologise yeah. to Tacheres and Union fans for not going over that one in more depth. They're going to be devastated, I'm sure. I'm sure they will be. Because um, what every fan wants is for his tide to be 
or her side, to be talked about on Hand of Pod. Mm. Um, also a mention for Gimnasia La Plata, who also played two games since we last recorded. One was that 1-0 win away to Atletico Tucumán, which I'm guessing none of us saw on Friday night. And the other was a 0-0 draw away to Ponte Preta in Campinas, in São Paulo State in Brazil, um, on uh, Wednesday night, last night, in the Copa Sudamericana. There are Copa Sudamericana first round tied being played this week, which we talked about. Uh, you'll remember that we were talking about a month ago about the first ones of these, including Racing and Arsenal, so, and a couple of others. The second legs of those are going to be played in late May, early June. The ones this week, the second legs are going to be played in about a month. So these ties that are being started this week are going to be over before the ones that started last month are over. Makes sense. Because can't be involved. Yeah. Makes sense. Four nil nil draws for Argentinian teams. Yeah. This week's Sudamericana uh, results, I'll go through all of them just to... So we've had. It's partly because I, I just just to the, test your endurance, basically. The diversity of um, of the teams involved. I mean, you've got teams that none of us have ever heard of from various clubs, and then you've got like Corinthians against Universidad de Chile. Uh, so there's quite a wide range of, of clubs in terms of fame um, this week. We have Petrolero de Yacuiba of Bolivia, mm, Petrolero who lost 3-1 at home to Universidad Católica of Ecuador. Who I didn't know existed. Uh, Independiente drew 0-0, as we said earlier, at home to Alianza Lima. Cruzeiro of Brazil beat Nacional of Paraguay 2-1, two relatively big clubs. With one goal from Avila or two? One from Avila yeah. and one from Thiago uh, for Cruzeiro. Defensa Justicia 0, San Paulo 0. Ponte Preta 0, Gimnasia 0, which we just mentioned. Um, Everton of Chile beat Patriotas of Colombia 1-0. Mm. Corinthians got a 2-0 win over Universidad de Chile in the one match between two genuine continental giants. Um, Fluminense also got a 2-0 win over Liverpool last night. Not Liverpool of Liverpool, but Liverpool of Montevideo. So we had Liverpool and Everton in, in action this week in South America. Yes, we do. The yeah. first club of Carlos Sanchez? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they are, yeah. Uh, we'll look it up during the halftime break and I'll let you know. And obviously right now, as I said, we're watching Sport Recife against Danubio. And uh, also going on at the moment is Estudiantes de Caracas of Venezuela against Sol de America, who are a club I've heard of. That's a block. Well, they've been in the Libertadores of Sudamericana a couple of times in the last couple of years. Later on is Oriente Petrolero of Bolivia against Deportivo Cuenca of Ecuador. Yeah. So, yeah, the Copa Sudamericana is the place to come this year if you want to find out about lots of clubs who you've never heard of before. We're going to take a half time break now, so don't go away. second half we're going to discuss a very important meeting that took place in Ezeiza today, um, not the international airport for those of you who have visited Buenos Aires and are aware that that's the name, but the training complex that the AFA have near it in the same Just around the corner, yeah. district of Buenos Aires province. Would you translate partido as district? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, district. yeah, yeah, yeah district. district. Not quite county as it was something like that. Um, the meeting has been widely 
heralded in the media for about the last week as being the moment when Edgardo Balsa's future with the national team will be decided. Um, but like all of the other meetings over the last week, um, which were heralded as such, it's been very clear that nothing's going to be decided. So you kind of wonder why they bothered with the meeting. Pretty much a typical AFA meeting where nothing gets decided and everything just gets pushed on for a for but, another week, right? But this one did actually involve Edgardo Balsa, so it was... Um, a step up in those terms I think it was no I'm talking in the AFA generally they yes, have all yeah, these meetings yeah. and nothing ever gets done no absolutely but but in this one case because uh, there have been there were two or three meetings or reported meetings last week about Bowser's future none of which actually involved Bowser this one was Bowser with Carol, uh, Carlos Tapia mm-hmm. Claudio Tapia mm-hmm. see the annoying nicknames which I try to avoid personally make you forget what the actual person's real first name is <laughs> um, which is one reason I try and always just stick with the first names Claudio Tapia, the new president of the AFA. Uh, I think Tinelli was there. And Tinelli was there. Obviously, and former San Lorenzo president yeah. and also AFA big week now. Yeah. Uh, vice president, the current San Lorenzo vice president, and therefore mm-hmm. Bowser's former boss. Yes. Um, and Lavashoni, who yeah. I'm not sure what he does, but he was there with the normalization committee. Yeah, in some then, sort of thing. The normalization person, I think. Yeah. Um, and anyway. Um, Nothing's been decided still. No. So, why they what Tapia wanted was for Bosa to say, Okay, I, I'm out because uh, the team is not playing well, and I, I know that no one wants me to stay. But I don't have your support. He didn't do, do that because he already said that he wouldn't resign. And if they uh, fire me, I will go to my house. Okay, yeah. It's Bowser's it, 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 kind of becoming a little bit like Winston Bogard was at Chelsea about 10 years ago by this stage, isn't he? He's like, I know I'm not really doing any work. I know they don't want me. But if they want to get rid of me, then they've got to pay me off. Well, yeah, the problem is that the coach does actually have to work. This yeah. is where the big difference comes. Indeed. Yeah, the AFA and the, the new media companies that have just got in and on the AFA business, so Fox and... Yeah, definitely Fox have been holding a massive campaign against Bowser in the last week or so just asking every day ah Bowser's got to go Bowser's got to go is he going to go today ah no he's not going to go today but he's going to go tomorrow ah no he's not going to go tomorrow but will he go tomorrow the other day when Tapia was asked whether he liked uh, Bowser or not he took it as a taste question no I like women I don't like I don't like men (laughs) Uh, which says something about you know not uh, Argentine society is yes. essentially quite homophobic or anything. No, no, yeah, of course. I mean, how yeah. on earth do you... It was an attempt. To, it was an attempt at humour, I guess, yeah. but which was just not funny at all. Indeed. Um, so the upshot of that... Just like a lot of Argentine yeah, humour. Yeah. Yes, and then I today guess. it was a strike and, and, and he wouldn't... Perhaps it, wasn't, it wouldn't, have been, wouldn't be possible to, to meet today because it was a strike. It mm. is a strike. <laughs> uh, As if they're getting public transport to yeah. get out of the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of looking forward to Bowser getting sacked and then going straight over to the Panamericana to join a picket line or, you know, mm. something like that. But unfortunately, we were, we were not given that wonderful no. image. The AFA's game at the moment, as far as I can read it, is it's a battle of attrition, right? Uh, they've got four months until, until the next qualifier, which will be Uruguay and the Estadio Centenario. Massive yep. game. 31st of August, I think that yeah. was. So more than four months. They've got time... So they think if they just keep chipping away at Bowser's self-esteem, really make him feel like like a piece of shit, uh, at some point he's going to realise and hand in his resignation and in the process 
save the AFA nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars in sacking him. It's, Aside it's, from the one point five million, they might have to pay San if they bring San It's kind of an interesting staring competition because if there's one thing that you could not say Edgardo Balsa has lacked during his time as national team manager, it's self confidence. Mm. No, <laughs> this is definitely true. It's about the only thing you could say it hasn't lacked. But, um, yeah, and, and so it's going to be very uh, interesting to, yeah. to see. At the same time, there are one or two people, particularly I've, I've noticed in the sports section of La Nación and one or two other places, where they're starting to pay a little bit of attention to the fact that Jorge Sampaoli's Sevilla had a few bad results recently. And, you know, is he really the right man? Could there be somebody else? And into the fold just today has come... The saviour. A gentleman who... Literally we, the saviour. Indeed. We didn't mention this last week because it was just stupid. Um, but a man who last week said, if Sampaoli gets appointed national team manager, I'm moving to Uruguay. Uh, that no, man Turkey. was Carlos, as Dan says, Salvador, the saviour, Bilardo. Um, the manager of the Argentine national team when they won the World Cup in 1986 and also the manager uh, when they attempted to defend that title in 1990 so it's very similar as I put it to down before we recorded to Alf Ramsey being given the England job in 1997 um, let's hope that doesn't happen I mean <laughs> just seriously would you Andres you're Argentine it would do you be... want Bilardo in charge of the national team? no how many other people are there before Carlos Bilardo who you would put in charge of the national team? Before I think you probably have me and Dan in charge of the Argentine Talking about team, a, a coaching deep independently of he's working or not. I saw on Twitter there was quite a lot of support for him. There were, of course there is. A uh, lot, but from people who's opinion in our respect as well. well for, the same, for the same reason that, that you know, when the racing job becomes available there's always somebody going oh, Mostasa Merlo would be a good bet for that. Or, yeah, the problem is they listen yeah. to you think about <laughs> coaches independently of whether they are working or uh, uh, right now or not, uh, well, Gallardo, Coca, San Paoli, even Bielsa, mm. before uh, Carlos Villardo. Yeah, I mean, apart from anything else, you want somebody who's actually worked in that job in the last decade. Surely. Since 2004. Yeah, it would help. Yeah, 2004 was his last job in charge of Estudiantes. Um, since when he's been, he was uh, uh, Secretary of Football, or Sporting Secretary or something at, was it Boca for a while? And he's indeed currently the yeah. Secretary of, or, or General Director of National Teams or something at the And Alpha. he was the manager of the senior national team when for quite was a while when Maradona was yeah. a coach. And Man- manager in, in the Spanish language yeah, yeah, sense yeah. rather yeah. than the English sense, which is yeah, uh, what Maradona was doing. But yeah, so he's held a, a charge fairly sort of similar. And of course, yeah, actually, I remember saying um, a, a number of us were of the opinion, obviously beforehand of Pod, um, it was recorded indeed before I, I actually moved out here, but it was a fairly widely held opinion on the night of the uh, that famous 1-0 win away to Uruguay, which qualified Argentina for the 2010 World Cup. Uh, that Bilardo would actually pick the team and the tactics for that game because well, he was head of the selection be... committee as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it seemed such an un-Maradona-like setup mm. in so many different ways, not just the fact that they actually won the game. Um, that yeah, it was it was sort of so maybe he has worked in in football in the last decade in he's, that capacity. He's but always kept game, himself busy, yeah. And I remember, I mean, this this afternoon I, I stuck uh, ESPN on just to not watch Tay say for an afternoon as a change. Um, and also because the Tay Say afternoon show tends to involve a lot of people shouting, and due to the general strain, my girlfriend was working from home today, so I didn't want to distract her. And um, the, for the first sort of hour, hour and a half that we had the TV on ESPN, they were saying, uh, they had the thing at the bottom of the screen, they were discussing, is Carlos Bilardo the man? Is he the answer to the national team's problems? And you think, well, no, obviously he's not. <laughs> as, as you put it down, if, uh, 
if Bilardo is the answer, then I don't want to know what the question is. I'm just waiting now for Menotti to throw his hat in the ring and say, right, if Bilardo can do this, so can I. Mm. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Straight a duel between Menotti and Bilardo for the national team job and the future of Argentina in yeah. all aspects, basically. Um, if you want to hear some other potential um, other potential alternatives, no, other potential options for the Argentine national team job, uh, particularly if you want to hear our thoughts on the possibility of, say, Marcelo Gallardo, um, who's a name who has been mentioned a couple of times, mm. as well as a possibility if San Paolo doesn't get the job, I suggest that you listen to last week's Hand of Pod, uh, if you didn't do last week, because we did go over a couple of those options then. We don't want to go over them again Just now. to round it up, Bowser's chances of still being in charge when Argentina take on Uruguay? I, I, I would say less than 50%. Less than 50%. That's given that the AFA don't, really don't seem to want to pay him out. Yeah. Um, and given that if it gets to sort of a month before, they might think, well, it's a bit late to pull the trigger now. Mm. Um, I'd say, I don't know, 30, but like sort of, yeah, 3 to 1, yeah. something like that. That sounds. Something like that. I think if. Bowser has any sort of self-respect, he's going to end up resigning because the next two months, three months or so are going to be absolutely brutal against him. Yeah. And also, I mean, not just that, but also a sense of actually wanting the best for the national team because the, the uncertainty and the shit oh, it's kind of, the worst that It's not going to affect the players too much because they're away with their clubs yeah. and everything and it's not like they're living through this every day. But... It isn't helpful either. No, definitely um, not. So, yeah, I, I would say around 30%. Andres, any thoughts? No, it's really... Uh, I mean, this it's, it's okay that this time is uh, nothing is defined because um, there is time, as, as, as Dan said. Um, but, uh, yes, it's it kind of difficult for, for Rafa to, to make the decision of, of uh, sucking uh, Bowser. That's why they they want Pausa to resign, as as they also have to pay Martino and, mm. and even uh, I think a, 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 an assistant of, of Martino. Uh, yeah, they came in with yeah. a lawsuit this week. Yeah. Um, so I, I forgot to, to mention Almirón, but not in, at the same level than than Gallardo mm. or or San Paoli, mm. but because of the the work he's doing at Lanús, especially. Uh, yeah. Um, so. But yeah. If, if Bouse is in charge for Uruguay, I would say I'll, I'll be surprised, but I won't be shocked, mm. if that makes sense. Ah, you mean in charge of Uruguay? No, in charge for the Uruguay game. Ah. In charge of Argentina. Well, he's been mentioned for the Ecuador job as well. Does he? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. They were going to get rid of Quinteros. I don't know if they actually did in the end, because I didn't follow that news up, but he's been he's been touted for that job. Quinteros. Is, is he Gustavo Quinteros? Gustavo Quinteros. Quinteros. Google him and see. Actualmente dirige a la selección de fútbol de News. One day ago, ah. El Universo, which is an Ecuadorian news website, says that he's taking, uh, he's continuing to be in charge. So. Well, that might well have been an influence in Barca's decision as well, not to, uh, yeah. not to step down. No, if he knew that he had a juicy contract in Quito, then. It would also have been a useful way for the AFA to get out of the payout, the buyout. Oh, yeah, completely. So, anyway. Equ- so it's basically Ecuador's fault that Barca's continuing. Let's just blame Ecuador. If you're an Argentina fan, then start directing all of your ire at the Ecuador national football team's um, Twitter um, yeah. uh, handle now. Don't tell them that we sent you. 
let's move on to some listeners' questions. Darren Paul begins with, as ever, a very Racing-centric question. Excellent. So you'll be pleased, Dan. He says, sartorial question first. Is Excellent. Racing's selection of kits the nicest in the league? I think so, if we ignore the goalie mess. That's what Darren says, not what I think. Dan? Yeah, I wasn't... I wasn't completely sold on the uh, Racing kit at first. Um, it's uh, Kappa has taken over the um, the fabrication, would you say, of the the kit making no, duties? The manufacturing. The manufacturing. That's the one of Racing's kits up from Topper. And on first glance, I wasn't that big a fan of the new kit. It's a very pale sky blue, um, kind of wider wider stripes. I'm really boring myself as I'm speaking, so I'm I'm gonna wrap this up. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice kit. Yeah, try and see if you can keep going on some of the other teams because I'm trying to look up a I've actually I'm, I'm trying to load sorry a photo gallery from Malka from August last year of each of the thirty teams in the Primera. Well, I'd definitely say that Defensa Justicia was the last Primera kit I saw because I watched them a little bit last night in the Sudamericana and it's definitely nicer than Defensa Justicia's kit. Ah, oh, see, I like the colours. I, I, I like Defensa Justicia and, and also Aldo Civi, which they've is... They've got Sunday League colours with Sunday League sponsors. Right, green and yellow is a lovely colour. Um, <laughs> it's Sunday League. It's wonderful. Um, Aldo Civi have got quite a nice one. Arsenal... What is it with you in green and yellow? Quite solid, They're <laughs> wonderful. They're very nice. They're two of my favourite colours, but together in a football kit, it's just... See, they shouldn't be do together. we think that the sky blue and white, the execution of it... And I realise that Darren is asking about away kits and third kits and all the rest of it as well. That's a little bit nice. But, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm saying, in terms of those colours, do we think Atletico Tucumán pull it off better than Racing? As relative neutrals, I'm asking Andres. Well, so what they have in their favour is well, the sponsor being Seco, which is a yeah. brilliant... You know, local yeah. brands. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like Manaus, something yeah. similar. Yeah. It's Atletico Tucumán is the only team that in in this they outstand Racing to play with Argentina t-shirts. Yeah. Yes. So they were yeah. first. Um, and I remember a brief period between I think 2010 and 2013 when Atletico Tucumán and Racing had identical home and away strips. Yes. Because yeah. they shared uh, Olímpicas as a sponsor. They didn't play in the same league, and. They once played in the Copa Argentina, and I watched a whole half of that match. I think as while we were recording, thinking that Racing was Atletico Tucumán and Atletico Tucumán were Racing, yeah. and I didn't celebrate a goal because I thought Atletico Tucumán had done it. Um, I remember that. Yeah, uh, I will agree. In Aussie Dance House. Now that we have a reminder of it, I will agree that um, defending of this year's execution of their current round of lovely colours is not particularly nice. I'm just clicking through the clicking that the listeners can hear is, is my mouse thumb. Um, and I'm just, see. I'm sure it, uh, that's is, that's the old kit. That's not the is, kit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the one at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Which is nice as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, Atletico de Rafaela's definitely isn't. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know the old-fashioned colours. They had a good design with the neck and yeah. The river shirts I tend to like a bit more when they've got a collar on them. But that looks yeah. good. Central. Not bad, but they could use some slightly thicker pinstripes or just not pinstripes. San Lorenzo's is nice. Same as Central, is same sponsor. Oof. Is that Chicago? Ah, no, San Martin. Martin. Yeah, these Primera clubs at the moment, though. Yeah, but uh, if it was from last year, it could have been. True. Sarmiento. No, this is from August, so it's this, yeah. this season. Oh, Tacheris, I've forgotten. Tacheris is, yeah, is pretty decent. It could do without the big white panels at the side. Templos um, is awful. Templos is very basic and yeah. sort of, but too sponsor heavy. Tigre, no. Tigre would be. 
that would be a nice execution if it weren't for the massive the tiger my Ed Hardy style tiger in the background um, and the remaining one Art Wignon yeah having just flipped through them actually I hadn't really thought of it before but it's it's not a great year for kids no um, forgettable so Racing might have one of the nicer ones Darren is, is the chance is the answer but given the standards that's not saying much at the moment uh, Darren also asks would the national team do better not with the change of manager but with more local players, not necessarily play better football, but get results. I'm thinking of the Bolivia game. Well, this is the eternal debate. If you get in any taxi in Buenos Aires, or if you sit down and have a coffee with anyone of a certain age who remembers the, you know, this golden age of Argentine football, which pretty much lasted up to the 90s, you can say, when domestic football was still of a very high standard and a decent percentage of the players are always uh, from here yeah. what you can say is the players who are in Europe are in Europe for a reason it's because they play better generally uh, than the players who are here and we see that week in week out it's all fine to see you know. apart from that how many uh, local players uh, well, played against Bolivia I can understand that no well, Marcos speak. Acuna, didn't they? Acuna. Came off the bench. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Darren's asking, should Marcos uh, Acuna be in the national team every week? Nine, Darren. Guido Pizarro was, is not local player no. anymore, is he? But he played the whole game. And he was but for example, Alario, Lucas Alario, he's yeah. being called, and, but not uh, having minutes perhaps regularly in the... Yeah. But he perhaps, we don't know, but it's probably that uh, by July he will be in Europe. Yeah. Probably in, in Lazio, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the teams that uh, Alario heard of rumor, rumors that. Yeah. What, what, what will change in six months' time if he's in September in, 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 at Lazio than that now? He will be with more chances because he's playing at Lazio yeah. and perhaps not being much better than his. Although, having said that, it's worth bearing in mind, obviously, that yeah. Lucas Alario, when he turned down the move to China in January, one of the reasons that he gave, one of the reasons it's that Enzo Francesco uh, Rivers Sporting Director gave is he knows he's going to get an offer from Europe sooner yeah. or later. And the reason that Alario gave was I want to be closer to the national team. I want to still have a chance of a call-up at some point, which if I go to China, I'm going to be less visible. I might not have. And of course, he ended up getting included for the Bolivia game. Uh, OK, he didn't get on the pitch, but he, got, he was in the squad in part because he was in Argentina. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't have happened if he'd gone. So in a way, you sort of think, well, OK, that, that paid off. Um... I would, by and large, agree with what you were saying, Dan, about you know these players are in Europe for a reason. And yet, at the same time, the level that Argentina are playing at now, mm-hmm. when you see a local player coming in, a local, obviously, we mean a, a player is still playing here. When you see one coming into the team, as Acuna did, as Alario has done a couple of times and so mm-hmm. on, they don't look out of place. That might be because the, the guys who are there at the moment, as we discussed at great length last week, are not doing what they ought to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but So I think there is maybe... On an individual level, there are players in the national in, in the league who could form some part of it. I still don't think that it was a great idea to make a national team what, out of players who are playing in Argentina. What I would say in favour of you know uh, in favour of including more local players in the national team is that if you watch a lot of Primera División football, you're going to realise that it's extremely hard for a player to to stand out and and actually look good. Whereas I think in Europe it's a little bit easier. 
you're surrounded by a lot better players. Uh, you've got you know a lot more support, better facilities, better standard of pitches, even whatever. You've got fewer other players to stand out against because got, there are ten fewer clubs in the league that you're playing. In. Well, this is very true, <laughs> but to really look good in Argentine football, it's not an easy it's not an easy mm. uh, task at all, and more so to score goals in in the Argentine Primera. If you look at a guy like Carlos Tevez, who came out, he was the top scorer by far in, in Juventus, in Serie A, which is supposed to be one of the best four or five leagues in the world. He came to Boca, and I think if you look at his goal-to-game ratio, it pretty much halved. Well, but he was being asked to do something else, wasn't he? He was, he was expected to play a more creative role at Boca than, than at Juve. This is true, really but of the it's not just Tevez, I don't think. Of if course you look not, at all of these players, I reckon if Messi came to Newell's, he wouldn't score as many goals as in as with. But what you, what you expect is the, the other way that would happen to Tevez. For example, I, I fancy Alario, I know mm-hmm. Lazio, and not starting playing, not, not, mm. to, not to start playing from the first minute, yeah. to, of course, to adapt to the city, to the team, to the teammates, and then to uh, have minutes to prove whether he can be there. While, while at River, he scored more than half a goal per match no that's fair enough I think my point is that while I wouldn't go as far as to say look everyone who plays for Argentina has to be from the Primera División because that's clearly ridiculous Mm. there's definitely an argument uh, to include the players who are in form and and the elite if you look at someone you know for example like Gustavo Wall who's playing absolutely fantastic in in Argentina at the moment or Ricardo Centurion in Boca who's doing really well despite the fact that he gets beaten to shit at least 10 times a game in a way no, he wouldn't do in Europe and has no brain as well. and has no brain but there's still time for him I, 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 I will say in, in response to your point about Messi at Newell's if Messi went to Newell's he wouldn't be playing for one of the two by far biggest clubs in the league who are dicking other teams sort of 3 or 4 nil most weeks no because his um, teams don't exist so in course, Washington exactly so of course he's not going to score as many goals in that sense but yeah. um I suspect that he would still be the best player in the league. Oh, no doubt. He's the best player in the world. He'll be the best player in the league. But um, it's just so much harder to be, you know, to stand out as a really effective force in a football which is so turbulent and yeah. and uh, negative in some cases, violent in many cases. Yeah, any, any if anyone stands out in the Argentine league, there, I think they're worthy of consideration even yeah, before yeah. going to Europe. That's any defender will play a Caruso style against Messi here in Argentina he'll get the ball and he'll immediately get his ankles yeah. taken away from him yeah he's used to that he, he, gets, he gets kicked um, but anyway moving on from Darren's question Ivar Stensley asks how is Sebastian Becacese or Becacese however the hell you pronounce it doing at Defensa y Justicia and is he a clone of Sam Pauli I think we agreed um, after he was initially um appointed and after we saw a couple of their, their games he's clearly been chosen with a continuity of philosophy in mind from Orlan was there before and was getting defensive to play you know very uh, in spite of their name um, very attractive attacking football a little bit more direct maybe um, than uh, than, than Orlan's uh, team are but by and large I think he's doing okay um, he looks more like a clone of um, Zuelia right if we're going to talk about appearances, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, no. In terms of, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely yeah, as a yeah. way of in, in terms of the DNA, 
I actually thought for a split second uh, last night before the San Paolo game that it was Subeldia, and then I was like, no, it, that's that's not right at all. He doesn't manage in Argentina at the moment. Where is Subeldia at the moment? Is he still at the Real Barcelona? He's in Ecuador, I think. Yeah, let's look him up. In the Vendor Medellin, the other day, the other time played against River. Ah, so in Racing and now Independent. Oh, of course he is, yeah. We, yeah. Traitor. Thank you, Andres. Yeah, I completely forgot. Dim. Um, Defensive Oticio have lost their last two games, both away against Huracan and, of course, against Boca this weekend, just gone. So the last two league games, obviously, they drew 0 0 um, at home in inverted commas in Lanús Stadium against uh, San Paulo last night. But prior to that, they have four wins in a row uh, against, you know, teams not doing. Oh, no, actually, two of those wins were against Estudiantes and Newells. Um, but as I say, like stylistically, yeah, maybe they didn't quite turn it on against Boca on Saturday. As you hinted, Dan, I think they had their mind on other things, the, the Sudamericana mm-hmm. coming up. Um, but yeah, he's a, a, clearly a decent manager who we've not seen much of in Argentina until now. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where he can take them. Their next few games are in the league. Um, at home to Olimpo, away to Union, which will be difficult. Uh, and then two straight home ones against Independiente, mm-hmm. which will be interesting, Olam versus Becasese, and um, and then at home to Lanús. So it's not an easy fixture that's coming up for him, um, but we're going to get a better idea of just what they're made of, perhaps. Dawson Pies, which might be his real name, um, or might be a brand name, if it is your real name, Dawson, then I apologise. Great name if it's a real name. Um, then he says, do you see any team from Belles down in the relegation table still in the Primera after the next tournament? This is a good excuse to have a look at the relegation table. How many teams are below Belles? I will tell you in a second. Excellent. Um, the teams below Belles. So Belles are currently 23rd in the relegation table. The teams below them are Huracan, Quilmes and Arsenal, all of whom are... Oh, sorry, Orecan and Quilmes, who are both outside the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. Arsenal and Olimpo Enter. both have exactly the same points average, which means that if the season finishes with them both in this situation, they will require a playoff to separate them, because Arsenal and Olimpo are 26 and 20, joint 26, so one of them is going to go down, one of them isn't. Samiento Temple de Rafa- and Atletico de Rafaela. Um, I think Atletico de Rafaela, we've said this several times already, are down already, pretty much. Well, three of the seven Obviously. clubs will have a future in yeah, the yeah, Premier exactly. League. So he's asking us to ones. identify which one. Ah, so Atletico de Rafael, I think, are doomed. Uh, I think we said this at the beginning yeah. of the season. It was, it, you know, they were so bad during last year. So they got nine points during last year's transitional championship. Um, okay, it's only over fifteen games, but even so, um, Tempele uh, are on. Tempele and Sarmiento are both just too far adrift. I think. They're dividing their, their points obviously by far fewer games, but if you look at Huracan, they're the other team who've been in the same division for the same amount of time as them. And Tempele have 66 points, Samiento have 67, Huracan have 74, so you're asking them to make up sort of 8 points mm. in 11 games. I bet on that effectively. Bottom 4 staying about the same. Maybe Arsenal and Olimpo, or, you know, if they go to a playoff, mm. but they're going to be around the same. It wouldn't surprise me if Quilmes get knocked down there, but I think. Although we're going to continue, I think, to talk to about, for the next couple of weeks, at least everybody sort of up to Vélez, and maybe even defensively, DC are just level on points, not quite level on points average for some reason with Vélez. Um, oh, because they played one game fewer. Yes. Of course they have. Um, everybody really up to about 22nd place defensively, DC are still the relegation battle, but I think the most likely teams to go down are going to be from sort of, from Quilmes, Arsenal, Olimpo, Sarmiento, Tempoli, Alec, Rafaela. 
um, the, four teams go down from this, this table. Would we particularly miss any of those teams? Uh, no. no, no, we wouldn't miss it if they, if they wanted to relegate everybody from defence. It was DC are down, to be honest. I don't think anyone would be missed really. Mm, they, they need to come to touch. Well, but they look the way they're playing. But it's Vélez. Vélez, you know, they got some all right players. Too. Yeah, but they're all, they're awful. Wow. They've been awful for years now. What you know? Which of course is why they are where they are in the relegation yeah. table because it's only designed to punish you if you're awful for years or if you're new. Um, but speaking of the new boys, of course, Tacheres are currently. Um, ninth in the relegation table, so they're doing absolutely fine. But yeah, in short, most of those teams are going to go down. Dawson, uh, sorry for a very non-committal answer, but uh, we sort of identified the ones who will. Uh, Tom Robinson says, "I think this one's going to have to go to you, Dan, because I've not heard it." Can we get a rendition of the Cheeky Tapia song, please? <coughs> the Cheeky Tapia song. Have you heard this, Andres? Something like it's Cheeky Tapia, the president of the people, something like that. Okay. I hadn't heard that. Do you know the full version? Huh? Do you know the full version in Spanish? Chiquita, yeah. The president. I don't know. I, I don't remember the letters, the lyrics, and and I'm I'm not a good singer, so I prefer to sing it in English. So it's. So the the answer in short is no. You can't, Tom. Sorry. No. Um, no. And Liam Kelly, who is no relation to myself, says interesting Copa Argentina draw. Mm. Thank you for reminding us. Liam. Oh, how have we not spoken about this? Especially for Independiente. Oh, it's So. It's obviously a massive coincidence that the Copa Argentina draw, which is never rigged, um, has thrown up... I was going to say, not only this derby between Independiente and um, Camioneros. Camioneros, who are the president of Camioneros' is Moshano's son or nephew Pablo, or yeah. something, yeah? Who's so, also the Independiente vice president. Yes, yeah. Uh, so they're playing each other. And also, I thought the other thing that was really suspicious is... Sorry, potentially suspicious if you want to be Argentine about it. Um, which of course is a stance that I always disparage and say no, you should be sensible. Um, is that right after Fox Sports get the rights to the the domestic television, a team who have been made famous over the last decade or so by a Fox Sports reality show get drawn against one of the two giants of Argentine mm-hmm. football because Atlas are playing River Plate. Atlas are a Premier League side; they have been pretty much throughout, and for the last. I think I remember seeing an episode of it when I was here the first time on holiday, which was 2003. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure since at least then there's been a show on Fox Sports called Atlas La Otra Passion, The Other Passion, um, which follows this you know local league. I mean, Primera Day is an amateur division, so basically, okay, not Sunday league, but sort of, let's say, in, in England it would be equivalent to sort of conference north and south, let's say, or maybe the division below that. Um, team through their, their travails and you know Fox win the rights and a couple of weeks later Atlas get drawn against a major money spinning <laughs> side and a, a big tie for the Copa Argentina I don't know whether this is coincidental or not so you think this I'd like to think it is but then here you always sort of think oh is it I mean so you think this game you think, you think this game could really put put Atlas on the map <laughs> in the, so I think that you, yeah. you will never know one they're one of two teams actually that have never uh, climbed out of the Premier League. They've always oh, been in our teams. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, who are the other? I don't know. Oh, it's got to be. You, Deport- you can't write a stat like that without knowing the other. It's got to be. I don't know. Deportivo Paraguayo yeah. or one of those teams. That's fascinating. Chupanqui was the the they had a, like a, a advertisement advertisement some time ago that said vinieron en un remis or something like that. I I remember um, that they had possibly. a. So I'm, I'm going to look up uh, Atlas. Um, Obviously, to find out more about all things La Liga, everyone should follow uh, Termo de Ascenso. 
Yes. And also, um, the... Oh, no, although I don't know whether Gustavo's... Uh, the back four is still going, which was an English language. Sit with Termo de Asenso and you'll see the best parts of the lower leagues. Now now that Gustavo's left the country to become a settler, um, we we don't know whether whether it's still going. So Atlas, um, I'm just seeing whether it Ah, mentions the other team. I think they're one of the only teams in Argentina who have a player coach, Cesar Rodriguez, who also plays centre-half. That's interesting, yeah. You're quite right. Um... It doesn't mention on their Wikipedia, on the introduction at least, who the other team are, but it's, thank you for the interesting statistic, Bill. Um, but yeah, I, I doubt that it is actually... Nah, dodgy, I mean, but it's, they're always going to get some sort of crap team, right? In these. Really? And, and I'm almost, more than anything I expressed it, because I'm kind of surprised that nobody in Argentina looked at that and went, really, there's a conspiracy here, why are we not pointing The thing is, out? after seeing the Independiente and Camioneros come out, the pot it's yeah. just, you can't really get much better than that so who's, who's going to go through in that time wouldn't it be hilarious if Camioneros knocked Independiente out which one's which indeed I don't know yeah. there's a brilliant video that came out from um, from a racing fan basically saying you know los colores no se manchan and talking about these two these Camioneros and Independiente fan going to the stadium together like red and green <laughs> and a guy he's like trying to get um, some fabric for um, for a flag it's like, right, I want that one, the red. And he's pointing to green. No, no. Oh, you want this one, the red one. No, no, I want red, that red. You should watch it. I retweeted it today. and It was very good. To go over... I've Sorry, just, Peter. We've just given you an idea about the uh, relegation battle. So let's go over the title race as well. I said earlier that we would do, and then we forgot to. So here it is before we go into the mystical predictions. Uh, Boca Juniors lead the league after everybody's played 18 games apart from... Oh, teams who are down uh, too low at the moment for, for us to mention. But basically, Tacheres have one game in hand, as do Defensa Justicia. And Independiente have two games in hand because of delays to their games against Tacheres. And Defensa Justicia. The and uh, Defensa Justicia due to having Martin Campagna called up. Uh, there was a correction, by the way, sent in by one listener last week. I said last week that Campagna played in goal for Uruguay against Brazil in the 4-1 defeat. He did not, of course. Um, Silva did. Ah, the, the listener in question was Tim Vickery. So ah, right. I was flattered to find that as well as occasionally coming on here, Tim actually does listen to the podcast. I can't believe Tim he listens. He, he had to, otherwise how on earth would he have well, I said that? Well, I'm, I'm unless he's stealing stuff for his uh, BBC yeah. columns. No, no, in no, that case, we want commission, Vickery. Yeah, we, we You've been warned. So we must continue making mistakes. Yes, to continue testing. <laughs> Mostly against things that involve the Brazilian national team, so we'll see how that works. But anyway, the standings at the moment are, after 18 games, Boca Juniors topped the league with 40 points. Newell's Old Boys are in second with 35. Estudiantes are third now with 34. Two goals ahead of San Lorenzo on goal difference. So San Lorenzo fourth. River, after their win away to Godoy Cruz, are up to fifth with 32 points so uh, we, I said earlier they were 10 points behind Boca they're actually 8 points behind Boca um, Racing have 30 in 6th Gimnasia and Colón both also have 30 so, uh, oh bloody hell and Banfield do as well so there are no points separating 6th from 9th um, in the table there's only goal difference um, between almost Racing, Gimnasia, Colón, Banfield in that order and then Lanús after their win in the Clásico are 29th on 29th, sorry, in 10th, not in 29th. 29th place belongs to Belgrano, who all the same and not in the relegation zone, because Argentina. Um, and now you're going to hear some mystical predictions, which because nobody responded to the Hunger Pod call for mystical predictions what? this week, 
are going to be me making up some Mystic Sam predictions off the top of my head. I've not even looked at the fixture list for this weekend yet. How so, did the last one do? Oh, that's a good question. I will add that up and I'll tell you after the theme music. Oh, I want to tell um, you that. In the meantime, I'm going to put the theme music on right now because I need a, a visit to the little boy's room. Last week, uh, to answer Dan's question, Mystic Vincent got 8 out of 15, uh, which is very respectable indeed, just over 50%, but in this league that's a difficult score to attain. So not quite as good as Mystic Desi's magnificent 10 out of 40 in the previous week, um, but still, as I say, more than respectable. And this week's predictions from Mystic Sam are brought to you, as I already said, by... Um, just me sort of looking at the fixture list for the first time and deciding what I think of each game. I reckon it's going to go better than ever. The clicking that you will be able to hear during this, or that you might hear during this, um, is me recording what I think the score's going to be in each game by the method of using my keyboard to do so. So, here we go. Aldo Civi versus Estudiantes de la Plata on Friday evening. I'm going for a draw in that. Rosario Central against Atletico Tucumán. I'm also going for a draw. Also on Friday, at the same time, is Colón versus Godoy Cruz. True. Which I think will be a Godoy Cruz win. They don't win very many on the road, but I'm going to stick my neck out and say that. I don't think they win many on the road anyway. I might be making that up. Um, Arsenal versus Newell's Old Boys on Saturday afternoon is going to be a Newell's win. San Lorenzo versus Sarmiento is therefore going to be the first home win of the weekend in the fifth match. I apologise for the banging. It appears that our doorman has decided to come off strike and clear the Right now. He's not very happy about it. He's not. He's not it. Somebody must have had a word with him. Um, Atletico de Rafaela versus Huracan mm-hmm. is a match that none of you should watch if you value your eyes. Definitely not. It's going to be a draw. Racing versus Tigre after the performances that both of those teams managed last weekend. There should be goals, possibly. They, sh- they should be. Uh, you'd be a bit of a mug to try to predict them, as Dan said. It's, of course, Facundo Sava's return to El Cilindro. I'm going to go for a racing win. Blimey, he's on the floor below now, and he's on the making that noise. Tacheres against Lanús is going to be an interesting game as well on Saturday night. I think it'll be a draw. I think that's just Daniel Biot players throwing their shirts into the crowd, isn't it, after the game? Yeah, but they're getting a bit... Worked up, I think, the, Danubia, yeah. the well, 20 Danubia fans who went up to Recife. They travelled all that way and then saw that performance, so I'm not surprised. Uh, they've just lost 3-0, by the way, for the benefit of business. Uh, which one would I just say? Tacheres against Lanús is going to be a draw. Banfield versus Belgrano de Córdoba is going to be a Banfield win. Patronato versus Independiente. Um, draw. Although Ariel Olan has had his team on shooting practice all week, I'm going for a draw there, probably 0-0, because I don't think they're going to score. And I also don't think they're going to be scored against. San Martín versus Unión is also a draw. River versus Quilmes, the way River are playing at the moment, is a River win. The way Quilmes are playing as well. At least two floors down, and I can still hear him on the mic. Bloody hell. (laughs) Vélez Sarsfield versus Boca Juniors is surely a Boca Juniors win. Defensa y Justicia versus Olimpo. Defensa are the better team, but I'm going to go for a draw again. Gimnasia versus Tempele is the final match of the weekend on Monday night, as they always are. And for that game, I'm going to go for Gimnasia to get a win. Any thoughts on those, gents? Just that there's a lot of really uninspiring matches this weekend. Mm. 
There are, aren't they? I'm trying to work out what the what the classic is this weekend. I mean, I I'm think I'm there is one. It's a classic well, it might, yeah. commas, and therefore Billy Booker's one. The classic. <laughs> I think maybe Kimberly mm, against someone. I can't see who it would be. It's because most of these have got classic or Does there have to be a classic every week? Well, or there's one that's drawn out the yeah. hat as the home and away yeah, yeah, yeah. for the, the team's uh, yeah, fixed jersey. Could be defence against Dominion Point, maybe. Yeah. Like Wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what a, what a classic to look forward to there. In yeah, September, they both are on the south of the. I say, don't, don't bother watching much of Argentine football this week. Indeed. Do not. Um, we're going to wrap up now. So it's thank you very much for listening once more and enjoy this weekend's football to our dear listeners. And mm. thank you and goodbye from English Dumb. Goodbye. From Andres. Goodbye. And from me, goodbye. <laughs>